welcome to another episode of Slater Pod, this time from Zurich and from a undisclosed location in the French Alps. Is that right, Esther? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in Mourzine skiing, so yeah, there we go. Okay, great. Yeah, we managed to figure out the, uh, the Wi-Fi issue for the call and uh, also this time the audio should be significantly better than uh, last time around on my side. There was uh, an issue with the microphone, but we're learning as we go along. Mm-hmm. Well, um, today we're going to talk a bit about your trip to Canada uh, last week and how that yep. conference went. Then we're going to talk about Corona. Uh, you know, it's the topic of the week, of the month, probably of the year. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how this is impacting uh, the LSPs, the translators, the interpreters. And then there was a, a, a survey published in China at the end of the uh, at the end of February, which we're going to look into in a bit more detail. Uh, then we're also going to run through the fastest growing LSPs last year. We published a list this uh, this week that kind of sliced and diced our uh, language service provider index by growth. And there's some interesting results there. And then we're going to talk about uh, a very funny call for uh, proposals out of the Department of Homeland Security in the U.S. where they're basically looking uh, for a magic interpreting device. Uh, don't want to be too snarky here, but it was a, it was it was funny when it, when we came across uh, this, and it was a, it, it, yeah, we'll 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 look into that. So first, tell us a bit about your trip to to Canada and uh, how that conference was. Yeah, absolutely. It was a very quick stopover in Canada, um, so I think I turned around in about twenty four hours. Um, but yeah, I was there for the Alia Rendezvous. Um, which I think is an annual annual gathering um, by the Association of Canada. Um, so really interesting gathering, about 100 um, participants or so, really from across the spectrum of, of the language industry. So um, obviously um, some Canada-based LSPs were there, um, OXO translations I met there, a um, couple of others as well. Um, Lionbridge and SDL were also, also there. And mm. then... Um, some sort of free freelancers as well, um, and um, people across the sort of um, TMS spectrum. So MemoQ, Plunet, um, really, really broad um, attendance, actually. Um, and there was also uh, one of the, the second talks of the morning was from the Canada Translation Bureau. So okay. the kind of government um, arm of, yeah, the, the translation they're they're in charge of all the sort of um, French and English translations and more um, coming from the government. So a big buyer of, of translation services and, and I think uh, responsible for an enormous amount of the actual overall spend in Canada, um, mm. they were saying. So that was a very interesting um, talk in the morning as well. Um, but generally, yeah, really well attended across the spectrum. Um, and it was actually the occasion where the outgoing president of ALIA, Sharon Steinberg, um, handed over to the incoming president, um, which is Robin Ayub from Lionbridge. Yeah, I know Robin. Uh, we go back uh, probably 10 years uh, we, because he was the uh, head of sales, uh, VP of sales for a company that the company I worked for previously, CLS Communication, acquired. So uh, he was uh, sales yeah. at, uh, at Lexitech um, and then it was acquired by by CLS, and then CLS was acquired by Lionbridge. A fantastic guy, Robin, uh, one of the best sales uh, people I've, I've ever met. And, uh, you know, mm. he's now the general manager for Lionbridge uh, Canada. Canada, yeah. Right? 
Yeah, yeah. now is the is the president of Ilia now. I had a very similar experience. I met um, somebody who was working for SDL, um, mm -hmm. uh, Martin Oji, who was previously working, I believe, for uh, Multicorpora, multi which was acquired by Donnelly, which was then acquired by SDL. So when I was working for Donnelly, we were working in the same company. So small, <laughs> small industry. S small uh, industry. Yeah. Uh, Multicorpora was the, that, that's the TMS though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so a, it was based in, in Canada. So it was very, very much sort of, yeah, Canada-based, did a lot of government um, work as well at the time. I might have met him at a, at a Lockworld in 2015 or even end of 2014 when I was still running around with like a kind of a sketch of what Slater was supposed to be. Um, I remember mm. that uh, also with, uh, yeah, with... Um, Somebody from Donnelly there. Interesting. So great. Yeah, a good, good conference. I'm glad you made it back um, uh, without too many yeah. delays, right? Yeah, yeah, all fine. All fine. Okay, all fine. And then great. straight straight over to the <laughs> straight over to Geneva for, for skiing. So yeah. So segueing into our next topic, did you yes. see was the plane full or barely full or empty or both were yeah, pretty full. No, sort of obvious emptiness um people obviously wearing face masks and and what have you at at the airports some people yeah. taking those yeah. kind of precautions yeah yeah it's a pretty uh, pretty big uh, impact obviously and uh, they they canceled uh, three conferences this week uh, sorry in, in yeah. this month uh, they canceled uh, or postponed rather sorry I, sh I should be very precise here they postponed gala taos and, and xtm live uh so i was mm -hmm. supposed to go to xtm live but it, it's ah. postponed and we're going to do a, uh, a virtual conference uh, instead uh, in two weeks and more details will be announced. It's uh, an interesting experiment that's going on, of course, at the moment. And as we're also disclosing in our newsletter today, we're, we're definitely watching this with, with a view to SlaterCon London in, in early May, mm. as I outlined last time. You know, it's eight weeks, so uh, we, we're going to have to monitor this for another week or two and then, uh, and then see, see how we proceed. For now, the conference is still, is still proceeding as, as planned. Um, you know, and this week we've seen the first few tweets also and, and, and posts from coming out of the language industry. So I think we about the, the, the impact mostly from the interpreter side. Um, mm. So, you know, it's maybe just briefly discuss how this is going to impact uh, this industry. So first, you know, I did check uh, around the, the performance of the listed uh, LSPs because that is an mm -hmm. indicator of how the broader market would perceive this industry to perform during a crisis like this. Sure. And it's not bad, in fact. Uh, it's definitely outperforming the broader market. I mean, you know, if you're looking at SDL, if you're looking at RWS, shares are down, but they're not as much down as the overall market. So that okay. is interesting. And then if you're looking at companies like Teleperformance, the owner of LanguageWire, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a remote, basically... Language, language line, yeah. Language line, yes, apologies, language line. I mean, it's, it's you know, probably 99% remote work that those shares barely budged. So uh, mm, it's, mm. you know, basically the market seems to, for now, assess that this industry is going to go through this, you know, fine for now. Um, so it's interesting, obviously, there's all these individual stakeholders in the industry. And if you're looking yeah. at, you know, breaking it down into like freelance translators, freelance interpreters and, and, and the corporates, the LSPs, 
you know, as a freelance translator, mostly, uh, probably almost exclusively, you're working remote. So the impact there would be operationally, I w would assess it as to be fairly minimal. Um, you know, as long as you're getting the work from your clients, there's probably very little you, 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 you have to do. You're, you're at home or you're in your office uh, and, and you're, you're working mostly uh, remote. So then it just depends what's your specialty and how your, uh, your sector is, is uh, performing. If, probably if you're in travel and retail or others, maybe there may, may be some work drying up from your clients, but operationally, I would assess you're fine. What we've seen on Twitter is uh, that the conference interpreters uh, are uh, obviously being disrupted by this. Uh, in the markets yeah. that are that are heavily affected, uh, there's there was some tweets uh, going back and forth around uh, Italy and and how you know this is basically shut down the market or conferencing more broadly in Italy and uh, and that, that this is affecting conference interpreters who are now beginning to look for translation work just to fill that time. Mm -hmm. And then there's the you know the discussion around independent contractors and uh, you know because other if you're full-time employed, you have a certain security if you're an independent contractor. Uh, you know, if the government shuts down events, then what are you going to do? They're not going to compensate you for it. So uh, there's yeah. that component. Uh, to, uh, for the LSPs, you know, I did mention how the shares performed. Again, operationally, I think the, the, the language industry is extremely well set up to, to weather the storm because it's, by default, mm -hmm. mostly remote, right? I mean, sure. yeah. m most of the very large medium-sized and smaller players rely on, on a remote workforce already. So, uh, mm. you know, there's obviously you have the PMs, uh, project managers, the sales force that, that are going to the office and certain translators, but mm. it's, it's very easy to switch to a remote or easy. I mean, within, yeah. within bounds, right? It's easy-ish to go to a fully remote setup, which many companies are now doing. Um, mm. uh, in terms of the verticals... We do have a few contacts. Yeah. Sorry, I was cool. going to jump in and say, I mean, I, I know that we do have some kind of contact center type um, LSP setup, don't we? So if you think about the large interpreting ones, potentially um, there's a ton of interpreters over the phone sitting in one or two or three big call centers. So that right. would be yeah. maybe yeah, harder be, operationally yeah. to, to make remote. That's right, yes. Um, and that, yeah, that, that's, you're right. That's operationally hard in terms of demand. I would expect this to pick up as the healthcare system is, sure. is really, yeah. uh, you know, get it coming under a lot of stress. So if you're in healthcare interpreting mm -hmm. from a remote point of view, you're probably uh, not experiencing any shortage of work uh, over the next uh, few months. And, you know, in terms of the, 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 trend, the more uh, written translation providers, I think travel, retail, hotels, airlines, anything like that, obviously is going to be, it's going to be a very tough sector over the next uh, over the next few months until this uh, until this ends. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I would expect pharma, regulatory, government, um, anything like that would you know unlikely to to have an experience a dramatic slowdown for now. Obviously, always in the in the in the context of this being more of a short term impact. But of course, if the broader economy weakens significantly, then everybody's going to suffer eventually. So, but you know, yeah. this is it's way too early to tell. Um, What's interesting, we have a um, the Alexander Drexel from the, uh, the, the Troublesome Turp podcast, and he's a conference mm -hmm. interpreter. He tweeted a super interesting survey that came out of China. Um, in, in, it was published in the, at the end of February where um, a group of uh, researchers and, and, and professors from, from three universities in, in China actually uh, surveyed 113 LSPs about what's their impact 
And of course, China was oh, extremely yeah. hard hit and China was essentially shut down, uh, you know, Hubei province, Wuhan, uh, but also other regions. So just just let me go through some of the main findings there. So they, they, had, they surveyed 113, um, or that, that was the response they got, broad mix from small to large to over 200 staff. Um, so basically they said, you know, they moved fully towards remote. Most kept the businesses open. So 90% of the companies resumed work through telecommuting. I mean, through basically remote work. Um, but also they said that nearly half now have started to work uh, on site again. So, you know, mm-hmm. gives us a sense of how generally China is, is get, getting back to work. Very, very few have yeah. actually suspended the business completely. Again, because the, the telecommuting aspect is, is quite, um, the, 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 the business lends itself to that. Um, then, but there is worry. I mean, uh, about 80% of those who participated said they worry about a decline in, in revenue and performance generally this year. And okay. uh, some reported, you know, short-term cash flow issues and, and just a general dip, uh, quite, quite a strong dip in, in revenue. Um, obviously, the areas most hit, or obviously, yeah, one, one of them is on-site interpreting, which is probably trending yeah. towards... Uh, <laughs> You know, not zero, but I don't know, very, very low. And, and some PR and marketing work has dried up a lot. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, they closed, or what's, what's nice, they closed on a, on, a, uh, on a quote that says, this epidemic will eventually end and things will get back to normal just as the winter has gone and the winter jasmine are in full bloom. So we're seeing the, lovely. the initial... Yeah, lovely. Um, bit of optimism at the end. Bit of well. optimism uh, right there. So we'll, uh, I've been in touch with uh, the professor, uh, so we're likely mm-hmm. going to write a, a short summary of the, uh, the, the report uh, next week. And for those who want to access it now, just check out our Twitter feed. We retweeted it, so you can download it there. Great. So some hindsight. Um, Top 20 fastest growing LSPs, you know, that was in the good old days before before the virus. And uh, in 2019, growth, yeah, 2019, <laughs> the good old days. Um, so growth was really strong. Uh, maybe you can say a few words about um, if you have it uh, in front of you about some of the top performers there. And then let's uh, let's just discuss uh, what, what drove their performance uh, and uh, and go through through that list. Yeah, so I think we mentioned some of these um, in previous weeks as well when we were discussing yeah. the LSPI in a, in a bit more detail. Um, but in terms of growth rates, the well, the, the company that topped the list was Iuno Media Group. Um, mm. And they also made their way into the top 10 by revenue um, for the first time in 2019, um, followed up by Stratus Video, so the US-based um, yeah, video interpreting provider. And third in terms of growth rate i mean and actually the the difference here um well it seems to be quite so we're now we're now at sort of an 80 percent growth rate um at, on on number three so summer lingui technologies grew 80 percent mm-hmm. um in in 2019 still very very good um growth rate um, but the top are you know um came in at i think just over or a little over 200 percent growth um across 2019 so rundown so, yeah, for the top three is Iunio, Stratus, Summer Linguai, and then another uh, media localizer called Dubbing Brothers. Um, and number five would, is Language Wire. And so that's the four, top five by growth. Top five, yeah. And four out of those are 
four out of five here are driven by M&A, right? So, uh, yeah. we, you know, we're not going to go through the whole list because we spoke about it last time at length, but uh, much of this growth is driven by M&A. And, you know, we would estimate yeah. the kind of underlying organic growth last year was probably in the five to six to seven percent range. But since mm-hmm. this is this remains a somewhat uh, fragmented market, uh, there's just so much uh, there's so much room for for these companies buying each other up, and that's obviously driving mm-hmm. their top line revenue, right? Um, what, one note there was I don't think the big word made it into this one. Um, not by the but, looks of it, no, not at the top 20. Not at the top 20, but they did put in a very strong performance. Uh, we just, uh, their results are now available. They gave us their figures for the fall 2019, but we, uh, their official uh, accounts were out now. And, you know, they're, they're, they have a nice, uh, nice growth there based on their, uh, on, on their uh, organic growth based on uh, some of the new government accounts they won. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. an interesting uh, ranking to look at. Um, you know, you're seeing which areas are growing, and really, uh, the overarching theme is that most of this growth is coming from from the merger and acquisition. These, you know, large or medium-sized companies are just getting larger by buying up other other players. So, um, yeah. we shall see how this is going to play out in 2020. Um, yeah, you know, definitely on sure. the organic side, I would expect the slowdown if the situation, the current situation persists, um, and then. You know, let's see if there's still so much funding available to these companies to acquire. Mm. Um, and that's going to be mm-hmm. something we're going to have to uh, look at how this plays out over the next uh, next few months. You know, there's, there's probably the travel restrictions may actually slow down deal making to some degree. You know, I mean, if you if you're going to acquire a company, you're probably going to want to visit the executives and and visit yeah. the offices. So if, if there's major travel disruption, this, this is going to get slowed down by this as well, right? So whereas the business itself can be done virtually, uh, not the, the, the deal-making part of, of acquiring uh, is, is, is pretty, yeah. pretty on-site in, in the end. Mm. So another, uh, well, not another, but uh, a very interesting slash funny story we covered this week when the U.S. Department of Homeland Security uh, was tendering out a, I don't know, I can only describe it as like a magic interpreting device or uh, the development okay. of a magic interpreting Wait, what, slash trans- translation device. What are device. they looking for? This is the second time we had a similar story about four years ago, years ago with, the, with the prison system in the U.S. And this, and this time as well. So what they're looking for is a an interpreting device of like a quite quite a small small size, right? That they mm-hmm. can bring on to uh, the boats, the ships that are patrolling the coast, and that are waterproof, work in super hot and cold weather, uh, work offline, allow two way communication. Remember our uh, yeah. little Google interpreting yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, experience. So this is fully two ways and quote-unquote translates into 16 languages, including, you know, Haitian Creole, Ukrainian, and Vietnamese, and then the, some others that are a bit more high resource. Mm-hmm. I could go on. There's a, literally, there's about 20 bullet points um, that, you know, it needs, it must contain the right of approach and standardized boarding team phraseology. So you're going to have to, this, this offline device needs to be, you know, target uh, pretty well trained pretty well trained (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. It needs to translate clearly at a safe minimum distance of three to five feet from the intended target of conversation. So imagine you're on a you're on a ship, you know. Yeah. There's there's waves, there's wind, there's noise, and then somebody's standing three to five feet next from you and it needs to be able to capture that individual's voice and then obviously translate in a two-way um, approach. Mm. Minimum battery life of 12, <laughs> of 12 hours. Uh, it needs to record audio, video and provide transcription. Uh, and then I could okay. just go on. Actually, the hefty ability to float. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so so if it falls into the water, you can pick it up again. You can recover um, it, yeah. All right, so the kicker, um, all of this for a grand total of maximum eight hundred thousand dollars. So, okay, so not even, right. Okay, not not a ton of money then. Not a ton of money, and actually that's the max. So like, there's like four <laughs> stages, and you know they're hoping to get. I mean, I guess the minimum would be two hundred thousand uh, dollars. So it was an interesting. Right. There was an interesting comment on LinkedIn when I posted this by uh, uh, John Tinsley from Iconic Translation Machines, the MT companies. Like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. the European, the European Union would fund just the development of a corpus for some of these languages with that amount of yeah. money, right? So, oh, wow, I mean, obviously okay. not 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 the hardware development or anything around yeah. it for the data. Um, the data, yeah. So we shall see uh, how this is going to play out. I, I definitely want to cover, uh, continue to look at how this RFP, um, uh, yeah, you know, continues, and uh, if anybody will even s try to submit something, seems kind of unlikely. Uh, now, it, this is not about making fun of, of, of this RFP more broadly, but it's about also that I think the overarching theme here is that the buzz over the past few years around you know mm. AI and machine learning and you know natural language processing and MT more narrowly has led to people's expectations being really inflated I mean if you know these people have sat down they drafted this so clearly they must have extremely inflated expectations of what is possible today like that that they would sit down and actually scope this out right mm. because the, yeah this is this is not possible for now. I mean, we added the note at the end of the article that if anybody, yeah. you know, feels they can do this, please send us an email. But I doubt anybody will. Uh, so, in in a broader sense, this just shows how uh, kind of a um, the public or people that are uh, not really, you know, deeply embedded in this industry now perceive some of these technologies. This that the what what's the current state of the art? So yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see as well if they are willing to make any concessions whether some of those requirements are actually nice to haves as opposed to you know super essential for their purposes yeah but i mean well okay ability to float waterproof <laughs> functions offline record audio provides i mean they'd have to get rid of like 90 percent of those bullet points uh, to get to a point where something kind of feesible yeah. Um, well, an, I an iPhone's waterproof. It's sticky in there. <laughs> does it float? Buy a ton of iPhones. Does it? Does it float? Uh, I don't believe so. I, I do no. not believe so. No. Yeah. It does uh, if you attach a float to it. And then imagine that that translate clearly at a safe minimum distance of three to five feet. Mm. That's quite far. Yeah, it so is. Like, yeah, it's, a meet, it's quite far. And then the, more than the person meter. needs to, yeah. I mean, yeah, the person needs to understand you and talk and the, the, the device needs to capture it from that distance. That seems, a, that seems very, very challenging. 
in a noisy mm. environment, like somebody stands five feet from you and then the device captures it and does a two-way interpreting. Um, yeah, and I mean, and was it, what is it supposed to replace? It's supposed to replace what they call unseen translators. So currently mm -hmm. they're, taking, um, they're taking translators onto the ships, onto the boats to do this job. Uh, and they also have some, they set some signals, like some cards that they're holding up. Um, so that, that is what the, this is supposed to replace. So I, I doubt that this is going to go very far. But uh, interesting story. Check it out. Let's see. There. All right. Well, um, that's it for the day. And hope you tune in next week again. Thanks a lot, yep. Esther. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. <laughs>